welcome back to the Thunder Sticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I was actually joined with Hunter and Clemente from Bricktown Breakdown, another OKC Thunder podcast. So that is what you guys are going to hear uh, in a second now. I, it was recorded through Zoom, so the quality might be a little bit lower than usual, but I think it's still pretty solid. I mean, there might be a couple, you know, shakes in the audio there, but I don't think it's all that bad. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, covered everything, lottery, playoffs, anything you could ask for. So it was a great time talking with them. And uh, yeah, I mean, without further ado, I guess uh, let's just get right into it. Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider. And today, I am joined by Clemente and Hunter from Bricktown Breakdown, another amazing Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. How are you two doing? I'm flattered now, man. Now that, since you used the word amazing, I mean. I mean, I mean I, yeah, we feel like royalty right now is all I got to say. I mean, I'm on clap time. Well, yeah, no, there are a ton of really good Thunder podcasts. I mean, I stumbled upon your two with me, Chich, and then Thunder Film Room. I'm really stoked that, that you guys want to join me. So thank you all for hopping on in this episode we're just going to be covering a lot of lottery questions and then also they have some questions as well but just jumping into things on the lottery i think i kind of want to start with one of the like major things to fall for the thunder fan base and that comes with al horford because it seemed like you know ever since we got him last year he was going to be out he was going to be out the door and it was kind of a surprise we saw him get traded when he did you know, whenever he, Moses Brown, and a second got traded to Boston for Kemba, pick number 16 in the second round pick. I checked you guys out. I saw you guys did an emergency pod. I did one as well. I'm just curious, what do you guys think about Moses Brown? I think he could probably develop into a good backup big, but I feel like Celtics fans, specific Celtics fans, are setting up for failure considering that. I've seen some pretty wild takes saying that Moses Brown is probably going to be better than the 16th overall pick. Like, look, we all love Moses Brown. He's a great story. I mean, he went from somebody who was playing in G League to having a full-time, full-on NBA contract. But I just, don't, I just don't see how it's possible for Moses Brown to be better than a borderline lottery pick when it comes to his career. Turns out he'd be a backup big. He'd probably be a respectable second stringer, first stringer. But like, man, if you expect him to, like, you know, contribute big time, then you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And so yeah. it's a little like crowded uh, front court too for them because they got Robert Williams and uh, now they got Al Horford and Tristan Thompson. So, I mean, I mean, if you look at the skill set of Moses Brown, most of the time he was putting up more like garbage time stats. Uh, most of the time on our pod, Clemente always bring up the, you know, Andrew Schleck said, uh, how many do y'all has to get the points somehow? Someone has to score the points. And in this case, that's what we saw at Moses Brown most of the time. Uh, that Daniel Turu game, I saw Mark Spears bring that up. He said, do you see what he did against the Clippers? Like, yeah, we all did because he's playing against Daniel Turu. I mean, we love, I mean, yeah, like Clemente said, we love Moses Brown. He has a great story. But uh, I, the media and all of them I, and some of the Celtics fans are just setting him up for failure. And I kind of feel bad for him because he's like, – like Clemente said, he's a great story. I love his game sometimes, but most of the time he's got a limited offensive game. Uh, I mean, he struggles with rebounding sometimes occasionally, and his defense is just not there. So, I mean, I hope, uh, I hope the best for Moses Brown, but uh, Celtics fans are setting him up for failure. Yeah. So you guys really aren't – oh, sorry, Clemente. Go for it. No, sorry about that. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, um, it's hard to play in the NBA, <laughs> to put it lightly. I mean, there's only, like, around, what, 300 players in the league at any given time. And the fact that Moses Brown is one of them is, like, a success story in itself. So it's just great to see Moses Brown, you know, become a full-time NBA player. And, like, hopefully hopefully he can carve out, like, a good role on the Boston Celtics. But I just want to count on it considering they have, you know, Horford – and Robert Williams and Tristan Thompson, like Hunter said. Yeah, so when, so when you guys saw him pretty much, it wasn't like you guys were heartbroken at all. It was like, oh, okay, he's just the, he's just the random filler guy for them. Like, he's not this, like, crazy 21-year-old Jim who's going to be the starter for the Celtics in two years. No. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I mean, me, like – I literally was just at home all the time. So I was watching like all the blue games whenever Moses Brown just turned into an absolute monster. So I am like one of those few Thunder fans who actually feels like he could be something. But like like you guys are saying, his pick and roll defense is so bad 
Like, he cannot – he always has to drop back. Like, he can never step up. If anyone is decent at taking floaters, they're going to make a shot every single time because he just simply cannot cover well at all. So I think he needs to tune that up. Um, that's going to be a real determining factor for him. But, yeah, I mean, as you guys said, good story. Um, I don't know. He, he does have uh, a few more kind of things, too, to work out, though. One other thing from that deal I want to discuss is just Kemba Walker. And, I mean, we bring him on kind of similar story to Al Horford where he's on that nasty, I guess, three-year contract right now for him. He's a point guard. We already got SGA. We got Teo. We got Ty. Maybe even some more picks. I think there's even, you know, Michich if he comes over. And even a guy like Vic Kredci, I don't know what's going to go on with him, our second-round pick last year, but he could carve out a role. Like, he is in Oklahoma City right now. Where do you guys see Kemba Walker? And do you think he's going to impact how the team, like, might draft this year? Not at all. They shouldn't, at least. I mean, Kemba is probably going to be someone who uh, is going to be here a year from now. So I really hope that, you know, if one of the top guards are available and OKC gets his top pick, I really hope they don't say, like, you know what, now nah, we're good. We have Kemba Walker. So I really hope – and I think that's probably the case as well. I think the funders are smart enough to realize that Kemba Walker is probably only going to be here for probably one season at the very most. So, um, yeah, that's what I think. What do you think, Hunter? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think any of like, the, uh, the vets on this team are going to impact how the Thunder draft at all. I think we also talked on our emergency pod, Clemente, we're talking about Moses Brown's trade uh, to the Boston as well. If that impacts, you know, maybe they're looking at Mobley. Maybe they are, but at the end of the day, Presti's always going to go BPA, best player available no matter what. And uh, I think we, we should have faith in him to do that as well. I mean, Kemba's a great Great player. Clemente's brought this up too, that like Kemba's still basically an all-star kind of player, even though he's got his stocks sort of at a low, really all-time low right now after the uh, the injury in the series of Boston right now. But uh, yeah, he's still a great player. So I think he will get traded. Uh, I don't, honestly, in my opinion, I don't see him playing a game for the Thunder, but he could probably play here until about the trade deadline. I could definitely see that as well. But uh, yeah, I don't think that's really going to uh, affect the Thunder in their drafting process whatsoever. So they got also, a guy... Oh, go for it, bro. I was going to say, you people out there saying Ben Simmons for Ken Walker, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> well, I mean, based off the game we saw tonight, though, I don't know. There might be an argument for that. Maybe not a good yeah. one, but there's an argument. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, we got Kemba. Uh, you were talking about how, you know, there really is not going to be – you guys don't think if there's, like, a guy like a Jalen Suggs, a Jalen Green there on the board – Presty likes them. They should just go for it. And I think that's kind of the mindset. You know, we got the lottery on Tuesday and the top five picks, that's what everybody wants. And when you look at the top five right now, it seems like there's about three out of those top five picks that can kind of wiggle. And that's two through four, at least in my opinion. I think Cade clearly is the number one. And then at five, I mean, you're looking at Jonathan Kuminga. Maybe he's not a surefire fire deal at five right now, but that's about where he's being placed. So I'm curious how you guys are ranking both Jalen's, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, and then Evan Mobley for the Thunder perspective. Well, for me, I mean, it's funny you brought it up because we did a pop just last week before the whole Kimba news broke down where we ranked our top seven prospects. And for me, I ended up putting, in terms of Green, Suggs, and Mobley, I ended up putting them in that exact order. I mean, Green probably has like the highest ceiling. Suggs is probably a safe pick. He has the highest floor. And then Mobley for me, I mean, he, he struggles shooting outside of the uh, outside of the paint. And like when you're drafting a big nowadays, that's like a detriment. And we've seen it happen with Gobert. We've seen it happen with Ben Simmons where these non-shooting bigs, where these non-shooting players are basically being played off the court. And like when you're trying to construct a team that you hope could win a title, do you really want your second for high speed pay? player becoming a negative on the court yeah i uh, like uh, a pod basically about this uh with jd me and jd pretty much had the exact same list so uh you guys out there definitely listen to that pod but uh yeah i had it uh green I'm, i agree with clement 100 because green probably has the most upside outside of Cade. i think of being a superstar he's got all the intangibles there uh, i loved what i see from saw from him in the g league that's basically 
I mean, second tier from the NBA above college, and he played really great, especially shot rather decently from the outside. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. And he's very efficient at the rim as well. So I really do think he could be like an Eddie Jones type of player going into the, this year's draft. And uh, next after that, I think I had Evan Mobley as well. Uh, Evan Mobley, I know there's probably some uh, fear that he maybe can't stretch the floor, but uh, me and JD discussed this once about how his uh, his form from the mid-range, it looks rather well. And I think most of the time why you didn't see him take as many threes and shot rather inefficiently is because with USC, he was more down in the paint more most of the time. I mean, he's great uh, perimeter defense. He moves re- really well laterally. Uh, he can keep up with his man. He doesn't get blown by often. He's a very smart defender. So I think he, he has a shot mechanics for it. So I think he can develop it in the uh, NBA. Uh, after that, I do have uh, Jalen Suggs. He's probably, like Clemente said as well, he's a safe pick. I think he could be a Brandon Roy type coming into this draft. Uh, he, I think he'd fit well with SGA 100%. He's a really great playmaker, and he's really complete. He's a 3 and D. I mean, well, not a 3 and D. He's more of a, a playmaker, and he plays really great defense as well. So I'm really excited to see what he can do, and I think he's got the shot as well. Uh, uh, JD actually compared him to Kyle Lowry, and I thought that was actually a really great comparison. I really think that he could uh, step up into that role. Yeah, nice. I mean, I think Jalen Green, like you guys are saying, personally, I think he's almost like a Zach Levine type because he showed in the G League. He has a crazy step back, like literally on like hardened status. That might be a little bit too high, but he's got a really good step back. He's super athletic inside. I think he'd be amazing next to SGA. I think Mobley as like a pick and roll player, even pick and pop. If he develops, it would be great with Jalen Suggs. I mean, I like him. I, you guys were saying he's super complete. I think he's really complete. Like he's an amazing playmaker, amazing defender. My deal is, you know, is he ever going to be able to develop like a crazy good jumper? Because sometimes this year he was like super flaky from three. I think if Jalen Suggs gets that three point shot together, he'd be perfect next to SGA. Like I don't see many holes there. But if he doesn't have that, like, surefire three, I just don't know, like, where the fit would be. So I think right now, like, if he's on the board, yeah, you might want to consider taking him. But I think for me, my board would probably be Green, Mobley, and Suggs. So kind of similar to, to where your guys' projections are at. But, um, I mean, one of the main things is, like, when we're going into this, we're kind of shooting for the stars, right? Like, we want one in five. We want a top five pick. But – there's like a chance that doesn't happen. And that sucks. I don't even want to think about that if that happens on Tuesday. But there's like a 25% chance we get 6 and 18 or 7 and 18. Because if we get 8, we also get 5. So it's really not that bad. But I'm curious if the Thunder get one of those picks at 6 or 7, who would you guys want to take if no one would want to be willing to like trade down? Uh, well, I'm a huge supporter of James Booknight, and uh, I think I've discussed this uh, on the pod many times. Uh, I've been a huge fan of him. He has a, a very great game. Uh, he's, I think I can see him going into the NBA as a, a true second option. So I think having that next to SGA, too, would be great because uh, I think we all see SGA coming into the Thunder uh, in the future as well as the primary playmaker for the team, uh, probably the star as well, potentially, potentially. But uh, James Booknight has that ability, I think, to be like a, uh, a C.J. McCollum to a Damian Lillard type of guy, you know. He's going to be that, that guy who can get you buckets. And I think he's shown in UConn, even though his uh, season was sort of cut short a little bit because of the first half of the season he was dealing with an injury. Uh, he has, he has the shot hundred percent. He has the shot. He's got to work on making it more consistent. He shot 29% from the three this uh, season, but over a career, he shot around 30%. So he definitely, or 32%, sorry, my bad. Uh, but he has to definitely uh, bolster that a little bit, but it's, it's there and he's just got to work on it. Uh, he's really okay at getting to the, uh, the rim. Most of the time he's a little erratic, but I think he could work on that, but he's a very, he's a pure scorer coming into this draft. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. Cause he's also sneakily, sneakily athletic and he doesn't get blown by often. So he plays some underrated defense, I think as well. So to have this uh, secondary option coming into your team, I think that'd be very important. Yeah. For me, I mean, considering the defender, we get the six, seventh pick and considering everything I've read when it comes to like draft coverage recently, someone who I hope, OKC would take a shot, shot at. Um, if his stock continues to like uh, lower, it's probably Kaminga. I mean, just reading up his profile, he's probably the best and most versatile defender in this class. And his biggest knock is the fact that, you know, he has a poor scoring game and he's very raw athletic or offensively. And he, he has ton of vision and can take bad shots as well. 
And I feel like all those things can probably be fixed with the right, you know, coaching and development. The defenders shown throughout the years that they're probably like one of the better developmental teams in the league. And like the thing that wants me to take Kaminga at six or seven, if that becomes the case, is the fact that he's a very versatile defender who can defend one through five. And the NBA is becoming more and more switch heavy. And when you become more switch heavy, you're going to need your defenders to be able to guard like all types of bodies. And it seems like Kaminga is probably going to be the best player in his class when it comes to that. Yeah, I agree with you heavily there, uh, Clemente, because, I mean, I also think Jonathan Kaminga, he kind of has that full package too because as like a front court player, I guess he's kind of small forward at times too, but he's super athletic, and then defensively, he's got everything pretty much that you'd want. I mean, his only real issue is that three-point shot or just shooting in general. I mean, he was shooting the ball so much for the Ignite this year. I almost like see him – in the same light as Lou Dort, at least from like a confidence perspective, because when Lou Dort came in as a rookie, you know, I guess would it be two years ago now? I don't even know. But whenever he came in, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't shooting a lot. And then the Rockets in that series, they weren't covering him. And then what do you know? Game seven comes around. He's pretty much the Thunder's best player. He's one three point shot away from them moving on to the next round, like one James Harden fingertip block away. And I mean, I, We've seen this year. I don't have the numbers pulled up, but he's definitely a confident three-point shooter now. So I think for a team like the Thunder, Kuminga might be one of the better spots, at least based on how we've treated all these different kind of projects, per se, that the Thunder have taken in this season. I think Kuminga would slot in there well because it's not like we're trying to contend right now. We'll let Jonathan Kuminga shoot 0 of 7, 1 of 8 from three-point range, and that's going to be okay. I think if we get him, He'd almost be like a Darius Baisley that we've seen this year where he's amazing attacking the basket and everyone's really mad because he keeps shooting terribly. But it's kind of just like one of those project pieces. And he's like that boomer bust guy. But yeah, I mean, he does have that star potential. I think another for me might be Keon Johnson as well because he's insanely athletic too. Defensively, he's really good. Still same thing where it's the three-point shot. But I think, you know, what the Thunder are building right now they need a lot of defensive versatility. They need that star power. Kaminga does that for me. I think Johnson does. And I bet Jonathan or Book Knight does too. Honestly, I haven't looked at a lot of tape, but I'm just going to take your word for it. He, he probably is really, really uh, good, um, you know, if he gets put in a Thunder jersey. But if the Thunder are able to move up, let's say they can crack into whatever it may be. I mean, what would you guys list as like untouchables in any sort of deal? Uh, before we go on to that, I just want to ask something else to her, her, her previous conversation. I mean, I mean, just looking through the list of like the top five, six, seven prospects, it seems like all of them outside of like, you know, Kate has like questions when it comes to shooting. I mean, Jalen Green is a pretty streaky shooter from what I've read. Jalen Suggs still has questionable, questionable jumper. Kaminga can't really shoot. Mowgli can't shoot from the outside. Scotty Barnes is a poor scorer who can't really shoot. He, even Keon Johnson isn't that well of a shooter. So it, it seems like that, unless you get number one, you're going to get somebody who uh, doesn't have the best shooting skills uh, for now, at least. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. I think that's the big question mark surrounding practically everyone in this draft. And if they hit on that three-point shot, you're looking at some gold. But if, if they don't pan out, I mean, the floor, for some of them, it might not be that low, like a, a Suggs, for example. Others, though, it, it could be um sort of an issue there but I mean like I said like if if Presti has that certain guy and he doesn't have the pick like what would you guys not want to give up in a deal like are there any untouchables here or would you just be able to give out your whole treasure trove to make sure you're able to get your guy I think the only untouchable in this situation would probably be SGA is the only one I can think of I mean I think anyone else is on the table to be honest SGA you kind of want him to be that either the number one option or that secondary option, either way. I mean, to have SGA as a secondary option would be a, a great, amazing, because he's already a talented player in himself. I think he could be a number one option. To have him as a second option to an even more talented player, that'd be amazing. Like, definitely everybody on the, is on the table right now. No one is untouchable outside of SGA, I think. And you definitely got to put in all your chips if you want to contend in the future. So if you want that number one overall pick, you got to give all you can. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with Hunter there. I mean, isn't the entire point of getting, like, all of these draft picks is to, like, you know, eventually overwhelm a team when it comes to, like, offering them a trade? I know I've seen some takes saying that can can OKC have too many draft picks? Could it be a bad thing? But, like, at the end of the day, unless, you know, the CBA <laughs> adds, like, an additional 40 roster spots suddenly, the funder are probably going to end up packaging a ton of those picks in the near future, especially if they like a certain player in, these, in this upcoming draft or maybe even next year's draft. So, yeah, the entire point of getting all these picks is to, like, create a package where a team can't say no. Football yeah. rosters. <laughs> Do you guys have Poku on the untouchable list, or is he is he a guy that you guys would also consider, like, tradable? I would say Poku is definitely someone I wouldn't let it go cheap, but I don't think he's, like, untouchable at all. He's definitely he's gonna be a project guy. Uh, I think if you get like something you just can't turn down whatsoever, like let's just say we don't get the number one overall pick, right? And we have to give so many picks, and you have to have Poku in it. If you don't have Poku in it, no deal. I would definitely put Poku in there just so we can get a Cade Cunningham. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. I mean, if the Thunder are gonna offer a team that would be picking ahead of them, I think that team would probably be asking for something tangible, like young players on rookie deals, and Poku fits that mold. I think. Outside of SGA, Poku, outside of SGA, possibly Dort, Poku probably has like our highest trade value on the team right now. Just get him out of there. If we got Cade Cunningham, go for it. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it would suck, but hey, man, Cade's Cade looks like a once once every five drafts type of player. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it could it could end up being like one of those like Tyler Hero deals where they could have got James Harden. You hold out on Hero now. Look look at what's going on now. Like. Totally different uh, trajectories for those two teams, but yeah. Oh, I prefer the wow factor, Kelly Olynyk and all of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got all – I think we kind of got everything on terms of prospects, but, like, what is your guys's almost, like, goal? Like, what do you think the Thunder's biggest need is that they need to address going into draft night this year? I think if you're Sam Presti, your biggest need is that – that second guy next to SGA. I mean, no matter what, I mean, we have no centers on our team. That's obviously going to be a need going into the draft, but I feel like that'd be like a later round kind of thing. No matter what, you're going to go BPA, but once you get towards like the later rounds with pick 18, if we still have it, like if we don't trade up, then maybe you do pick for fit. Maybe you get like a, a Dayron Sharp or an Isaiah Jackson if he's still available or Kai Jones. Or, But at the end of the day, you're going for, you know, that one guy that you, you want to hit on. Uh, like Clente said, we have all these picks. And uh, I think Stephen Dolan said it best, or I think it was Stephen Dolan. Uh, he said, you know, you have a dartboard and you have that one, you can either use one of those darts and hit a bullseye for a million dollars, or you can have 18 of them and keep hitting until you hit that bullseye. So you definitely have all those draft picks so that you can hit on that one guy. And this is going to be one of those uh, drafts where we have to try and hit on that one guy who can be that franchise changer for us. Yeah, in terms of needs, I mean, that's kind of the beautiful thing about rebuilding is that you're basically starting from scratch when it comes to your roster construction. So, like, the funder don't have any needs, per se, when it comes to, their, to like, drafting the position. So, what I'm looking for is the funder is – for the funders to probably draft, like, the best player available, like Hunter said. Hopefully, they end up getting somebody that turns out to be one of the better players in this draft class. Yeah, for sure. I mean, getting that sidekick definitely is a big deal. And I, I don't know where the – I think it's pick 36. Like, the Thunder have five of the top 36 picks in this draft. So, I mean, they got a lot of different kind of darts to be thrown at, like you're saying. So, I mean, if they can hit on one of those, that is going to be absolutely huge. And, I mean, we're going to find out a lot of the future on Tuesday. Do you guys have any, like, big plans for that? Or are you guys just going to be chilling at home watching, you know, watching the, uh, the lottery? Oh, man, we're not we're not sure what your rules are when it comes to promoting the podcast. But <laughs> me and Hunter are gonna are gonna go to uh are planning on going to Down the Ducks uh lottery event at the Mule. Oh no way, dude! I I am too. Oh, oh no way, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, there's that one. There's that one. And then there's like the I know there's one in the theater too, but I checked it. There's not a lot of people, so. Yeah, I mean, if you guys are there, I'll I'll definitely say hi to you guys. That's awesome. You'll be yeah. seeing Quente eating a gourmet grilled cheese sandwich. That's the one thing that got him to go. That's the one yeah, thing. I, yeah, I know. Like, I, I didn't know 
it's like the mule or something. I saw the, the restaurant name. I'm like, is this like just a straight up bar or something? So I asked him at gourmet grilled cheese. I don't think I've ever had that in my life. So that's going to be interesting. Hopefully, you know, the, um, the draft picks don't sour the taste of that too either, but yeah. Yeah. Um, that's all I got. I mean, do you guys have any questions that you all have? Yeah, we got a couple of Twitter questions that we got whenever we tweeted out that we we're going to uh, record tonight. Um, Hunter, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go ahead and ask you. So, uh, post, like, like I said, we posted some a while ago, and I'll go ahead and start with at uh, CMF official, Chencho hashtag anti-tanker. Uh-oh. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you think Dort will be a starter when this team is competing for everything? How do you envision the best version of Dort could become? Man, I feel like the lazy comparison would be Marcus Smart. <laughs> but to the first part of the question, man, I'd like to believe so. But, you know, if there's a deal out there and it's too good to pass up on, then I, then I guess you got to pass up. Then you got to trade Lou, man. Like, I love Lou as well, but, like, his ceiling is probably a really good, you know, free and D starter. And those are a lot easier to find than, you know, like franchise-altering players if there's a potential trade that involves one. But in terms of, like, player comparisons, I mean, I keep seeing Marcus Smart. Uh, I can't think of any others off, off the top of my head. But what do you guys think? Is there any other good comparisons that I'm missing? I think I would go with Tony Allen. With better I mean, I think Tony Allen had, like, more of an – in his career, he was an underrated scorer, but – Dort definitely has like the uh, you know the mechanics there to become like a better shooter. He's definitely shown it this year, so I definitely could see him being like that Tony Allen for a contending team. But hopefully, it'd be more like the Boston Celtics rather than Memphis Grizzlies' success. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, like you said, Clemente, if we don't trade him away, then I can definitely see him starting on this team because I think every team definitely needs that elite defensive wing on your team, especially if you're going to be guarding. Like we've talked about it before, even with the. Uh, Thunder Film Room. So shout out to him. Shout out to Yosef. We know you're out there. We know you're out there, Yosef. But uh, yeah, wings dominate this league. So you definitely got to have that guy who can shut down anybody. And uh, Dort can be that guy. He's shown up many times with Damon Lillard and even James Harden on occasion. Uh, he can definitely guard that one through three most of the time and even four and five occasion. Well, not four and five, but you know, one through three, 100%. Uh, he's definitely going to be that guy if you keep him. So I think he'll be a starter. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I'm- uh, sorry, Ben, go ahead. Okay, cool. I mean, I think the comparisons for Smart and Allen, those are pretty solid too. Like, I think Dort could be a starter on a championship squad. Now, I mean, if the Thunder end up hitting on like, you know, a small forward services, it's like a superstar or something, and we get like a Jalen Green or whatever in the draft, then maybe he'd be more of a bench piece. But I think right now, I mean, he's a solid guy that could be starting for you. As you said, though, Clemente, like if a trade does come up, it's not like we're just going to be holding out on trading Lou Dort. Like, if an offer's there, we're probably going to have to move him. Yeah, and I know some Thunder fans are concerned that Lou Dort is probably, like, the worst finisher around the rim this year in the league. But, like, ideally, on a perfect, like, you know, contending Thunder team, he'll probably be more of, like, a spot-up guy taking most of his shots from three. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. And I think another thing we're forgetting is the fact that Lou Dort is going to be an unrestricted free agent, like, just two summers from now. So... Let's just say in 2022, 2023, they uh, start contract negotiations and Lou Dort says that he wants to like test, you know, the, the free agency. I mean, the Thunder hands, but the Thunder hands will probably basically be tied and they kind of would have to trade him before they lose him from nothing. So it really depends on like what Lou Dort values uh, when it comes to his next contract. Does he value, you know, giving a team that gave him a chance to be in the BA? Uh, a potential discount or does he value like getting the bag and either way I think most people or most sane people will understand and respect either of his either choice that he would make but Hunter man uh, moving on so uh, next question we got from a loyal listener out there on the Bricktown Breakdown podcast, Topher at Topher B560. And he says, thoughts on the Suns and Clipper series. This is one of a two-part question, by the way. Oh, Topher, always asking two-parters. <laughs> Have a love. We love you, Topher. You're, you're out there and you're loyal. We love that. But Suns and Clipper series, I mean, I think we're all rooting for the Suns. But, man, I'm going a, I'm to a keep quiet because the last, the last couple of series, Clipper series, I ran my mouth a little bit too much and 
the ideal result not happen is all I'll say. But hopefully the Suns win. Um, Chris Paul, you know, he's probably like one of the more beloved players in Thunder history, which is pretty crazy to say, <laughs> considering just he was basically like one of our top rivals during like most of the 2010s. So, yeah, Cameron Payne too. Uh, Devin Booker, uh, one pick away from being drafted by the Thunder. Monty Williams as well. I mean, who doesn't love Monty? So, Everybody loves I think – Everybody outside of LA and I, and is rooting for the Suns. And I think that's putting it generous too because most of LA is Laker fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Hey, you know what, Clemente? You left out Nader. And I'm I'm disappointed at you. Uh, I'll know you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm I uh I can't comment it either. I I literally promised JD that I would not comment on this because I'm such bad luck. So uh you know what? Up in the air. But you know who I'm running to win. I mean Clemente basically summed it up so uh I mean, I told I told JD I, I was throw, throwing the key into uh, the Mountain Doom and Mordor, basically. It's with the one ring right now, so I can't talk on it. Yeah, I mean, you definitely got to be rooting for the Suns in this one. I don't, I don't know. As a Thunder fan, cannot be rooting for the Clippers. I will say that Game 7 comeback, though, like that was fun. Regardless of the draft implications, that was a really fun game to watch. Man, I don't want to go too off topic, but, like, man, if the Jazz can't win a title now, considering all the circumstances, they probably, they probably never will score but, yeah. yeah. To go to Portland route and just, you know, make some major changes. <laughs> but at the same time, they're a small market, so they're going to do so much. But anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to go too much off topic. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and head off to the next one. Okay. Or do you have something else to say, Clemente? No, I was just going to ask, what's the second part of Topher's question? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, any sleepers in this draft y'all like for potential 16 and 18? I love this question, by the way. Hmm. I know you're a draft expert on B-Town, B-Down, so I'll give you the chance to answer. Okay, well, it's kind of difficult because outside, like even inside the lottery, mock drafts everywhere are just kind of all over the place. And most of the time, you really don't have a mock draft set until you either have, you know, the lottery's done, you have the team set, or you have the combine done. And the combine does start tomorrow, and we get to see players work out and interview. But let's just say uh, Isaiah Jackson falls at 16. I love Isaiah Jackson 100%. He is one of my favorites uh, bigs coming to this uh, draft class. I mean, outside of Evan Mobley, I think everybody agrees 100% that he's the number one guy you want to go after. But Isaiah Jackson, going into uh, Kentucky, he was really highly tied a prospect. And, uh, I mean, he didn't have, like, an eye-popping year at uh, Kentucky, but a lot of mock drafts at the beginning had him in a, as a lottery pick, and some of them now have him falling out towards, like, the 20s, even though some of them still have him top 10. He's a really solid big. Uh, he's listed as a power forward. I think he's like 6'10", 6'11". So uh, I think he, he's definitely a very uh, agile big. So he can guard with the best of them. He doesn't get blown by easily. Uh, he's got an underrated offensive game, I think, as well. He finishes well around the rim. And I think he could potentially develop that uh, mid-range shot more. Than he, and uh, he doesn't really shoot from three. So that's a, a knock on him, I think, a little bit. But uh, I think we've discussed this many times with championship teams in the future. You see him win with guys like JaVale McGee at center. And I think having a guy like Isaiah Jackson who can develop into a really decent like uh, starting center, I think he's that guy for you. And at number 18, I think, I think J.D. will agree with me on this if he's listening out there. It's Usman Garuba. And I think he's probably the best defender in this draft. I, I, don't, I have to go with that because he's, he's insane. He can guard one through five, I think. Uh, he's very, he showed in the Euro leagues that he can guard for the best of them. He's very nasty. I think, uh, I've seen some people compare him to have like a Draymond type defense. And I think I agree with that because he's, uh, he's very agile as well. I mean, he's, he can, uh, he doesn't get blown by easily. He positions himself, he positions himself well with blocks and he gets his hands in there. He gets, he gets dirty. Basically he does all the little things. I think the only knock on him is that he doesn't have a really well-rounded offensive game. He definitely doesn't shoot well from three at all. He's got to work on that. Uh, finishing the round the rim. I think that's where he uh, – it's a strong suit on the offense, but it's still not the best. I think he shoots like uh, – I don't have the exact number on that, but if JD were here, he'd clean it up for me. Uh, but basically, Usman, he's a great defender. I think it'd be great to have him on the team. So, uh, yeah, those are my top two on the 16 and 18. I mean, for me, I think there's like, – like you guys are saying, there's so much room between now and the actual draft – we could have people that are projected to be second rounders legitimately be in the conversation for like a pick 16. I mean, for me, I think we should just go for all the home runs and 
JT Thor from Auburn, right now, he's not really projected to be going as high as 16. He's more of like a late first-round pick. I know the Houston Rockets, they have a ton in the back of the first round, so I could see them taking a shot at him, but he's a 6'10", I'm not going to say like a Poku guy, but he's more or less like one of those unicorn types where 6'10", 205 pounds, super long arms, and I mean, he showed potential really shooting the basketball at Auburn, so I think for him, he'd be a guy that you could try to go for, and just like, what do you know, the whole trend in this draft, a lot of inconsistent shooters. He was one of them. I think you bring him in, you try to develop him. I don't know if it's through the G League or something, but I think you could probably make him into something. He's a good potential pick. And then also a G League Ignite player who I don't think has gotten a lot of recognition is Isaiah Todd. And when you think of the G League Ignite, you're thinking of Jalen Green and you're thinking of Jonathan Kuminga. Whenever I'm looking at Isaiah Todd, he's a really good player. He averaged like 12-ish points for the G League Ignite this past season. But there were like two games this year where he was the reason they ended up winning the game. And he is projected right now to be like a mid-second. We have two early seconds. We could probably take him there. He can shoot the basketball as a power forward. I think he's like six foot ten, only 19 years old, 36% three-point shooter. So I think you'd plug him in, see what you can get out of there. But yeah, I mean, he has a good arsenal when it comes to jump shots and I mean, we don't want to have more than one person who can't shoot a three on the roster. And, I mean, Isaiah Todd, he should not have any issues there. So, those are my two that I like. Yeah. I don't have any specific names, but I think you bring up a great point, Ben, that uh, the funders are starting fresh. So, you, we want to hit guys who fit the profile of someone who has, like, high boom, high bust potential, very young, someone that could be molded. And – if the funder and if the funder keep driving those guys and if they just hit on maybe one or two, then it doesn't matter how many they miss because that's kind of the entire point of this process and collecting so many picks that if you if you if you hit on a couple, then like you know all the all the misses really wouldn't matter in the long run. For sure, for sure. All right. Well, uh, if you have anything else, uh, moving on to the next question, we got it from our fellow co-host as well from Bricktown Pod, Bricktown Breakdown Podcast. I'm even messing it up, Clemente. <laughs> we need to work on the name now. No, oh. I'm just put the episode in. So it's uh, from JD at number zero twenty nine. So uh, he says thoughts on last night's game, predictions for the Eastern Conference Final. Well, actually, I think predictions for the Eastern Conference Finals are basically out of the table right now. Yeah, um, I think we, I think we might know that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, what do you guys think of last night's game? Man, that was wild. Um, I mean, I'm almost losing track of. There's so many different games going on. Like, it's hard to even remember. I, I guess it was a Nets game, but man, that was wild. Like all the grudges we have against Kevin Durant, like they're still there, but you have to respect them. I mean. I know they were talking about it on like inside the NBA afterwards. If Kevin Durant just had a little bit tinier of a shoe size, they're going and they're going to be facing the Atlanta Hawks tomorrow. But I'm pretty happy. I mean, I'm an Oklahoma State guy. So whenever I think of Trey Young, typically it's like, you know, not that good. I like him now. Like the game that he, the game that he's been showing lately, I'm really excited to watch Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. So I'm excited to see them face the Milwaukee Bucks as opposed to the Brooklyn Nets. They got so much firepower on that roster. But I mean, the game, like, I don't know, Kevin Durant, man, and then even Chris Middleton too at times was just going off. That was one of the most fun games I've seen really all year. It's still pretty surreal that the Nets are eliminated considering like you know they basically have been a title favorite ever since they got James Harden and I mean I see some media members or not yeah some media members some fans you know giving the Nets a lot of like you know criticism for losing in the second round but at the end of the day I think they only play, played eight games this entire season where Harden, Durant and Kyrie were all healthy so that's probably the biggest re- reason why they ended up losing in the second round was the fact that their trio um, couldn't stay healthy and like that's not to give the Nets a total excuse because the way you built your roster around three guys who are injury prone and injury thirties I mean that's probably going to happen and that ended up being the case well for the Bucks, man what is there a chance that you know coach Buck could be the first coach to uh be fired during the playoffs and have Rick Carlisle come in because man I just remember 
all the hit piece, all the hit tweets I've seen uh, on Twitter from both media members and fans about Coach Bud, and now it's just crazy to see like now that his team's advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals, how just a week ago most people were already ready to write him off and like you know bring in Rick Carlisle. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like you said, he definitely is the next uh, coach to be out. I mean, Nate McMillan's probably going to be the first interim coach to be, like, you know, solidified, like, through even through the Eastern Conference Finals. And now we got Coach Bud, who's been, like, a career coach, and he's going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals and get fired even though he made the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we're definitely – I think uh, – yeah, like you guys are saying, I think this was a game of uh, the battle of the fatigue. Who could get tired more quickly? And, uh, man, Nash, he was playing those guys' uh, Tibbs minutes, basically. I think KD was about to have a heart attack at the end of that game. <laughs> like 55 minutes. It was insane. I, mean, I got to have respect for him. You know how – obviously now I feel about uh, Kevin Durant. But, I mean, you got to respect his game at the end of the day. He's one of the best scorers we've ever seen, and he definitely showed it that night. Most points in Game 7 history, I think. And, uh, yeah, like uh, Ben was saying, if he just had a smaller size shoe, if he just didn't have that – had that little bit of wiggle room, Katie, if he didn't have that clown feet, you'd be going to the uh, Eastern Conference <laughs> Finals. But, uh, yeah, Clemente was right. Uh, th- these guys, they didn't play together all that much. So, next year, I think we can pretty much – I mean, I'm pretty much going to go ahead and christen them as going to Eastern Conference Finals, even the finals at that, because they're, they have their roster set now. And uh, they took the Milwaukee Bucks to Game 7 with a banged-up Harden, no Kyrie, and Kevin Durant take holding the load basically so i mean uh yeah this is a prime year for teams who haven't won a ring to win a ring i'm the clippers and Suns, they've never won a ring and bucks haven't won one since cream and oscar and uh hawks haven't won one since bob pettit so this is definitely a wide open year and uh, i'm very excited to see what we can do uh, what everybody can do out there and uh i want to see Giannis win a ring 100 percent, or chris paul those are the top two so uh yeah i mean like I said, game of fatigue. I'm glad the Bucks got to uh, go by and uh, shoot their shot for a ring. I mean, uh, Giannis just signed a contract extension last year. Be a great story if he signed that contract extension and can take his team to the finals. So I'm really pumped to see that happen. Hopefully. And so, yeah, uh, don't. Uh, I was gonna say, sis, that's quite the hot take on here. Calling their one of the best quarters ever, man. Don't at you or what? Wait, say what? That's, that's quite the hot take, calling Durant one of the best scorers ever. Wouldn't you say, considering uh, OBJ said that yesterday and he, and he told oh. people not to add him. You got to love those tweets of people saying, you know, obvious shit. Yeah. yeah. And then being like, don't at me. Like, who was saying that? No one. <laughs> it's like, Steph Curry is a great shooter. Don't at me. So, okay. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, well, we got a three-parter here, basically. And uh, it starts with uh, Mateo Gallardo. We appreciate you, Mateo. You're one of my favorites out there, definitely, uh, at Salvadorian Art. And he says, how are you guys mentally preparing for the lottery? Are you going in with high hopes or low expectations? Oh, man. I'm expecting the worst, hoping for the best. I feel like it's probably the healthiest minds to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably mine, too. That that's what you have to think because if we do end up getting six or seven and nothing else, man, uh, I mean it's gonna be heartbreaking. But at least you you kind of expected it already. So, well, I guess I'll tell you my toxic trait. It's going in with high hopes, and that's what I got right now. High <laughs> hopes. One and five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't wait till we get seven and sixteen and eighteen, man. It's gonna be crazy. But uh, moving on, uh, next one is a follow up. Is it Chris Fullerton? Chris Fullerton, sorry, two bit man child. He says, Follow up. How are you preparing physically? Any extra training? I would like to follow that up by saying, I'm doing 50 push ups a day now and I'm doing backflips. So I'm prepared for my <laughs> celebration dance. I'm starving myself. Not nah, just kidding. Gourmet <laughs> <laughs> grilled cheese, basically. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what that's going to be. And. See what uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, follow up to that is our fellow co-host on Bricktown Breakdown. I, I got it right that time, Clemente. Look at that. I'm not stuttering. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's from Tony at Tony Bustos 99 Happy Father's Day, Tony. Sorry you couldn't join us today, but I hope you're having a good Father's Day. Uh, it says, follow up, follow up. What about spiritually? And I'd like to follow that up by saying, uh, if we get 17, 7, 16, and 18, I'll be... I'll be sinning. I'll be sinning hell. I'll tell you that. But if we get, if we get one, five, sixteen, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll repent my sins. That's what I'll do. 
Yeah, there's definitely going to be a little bit of a prayer session before uh, before the lottery gets revealed. I think, like you said, though, I mean, regardless, like, you know, wherever these draft lottery parties are getting held, everyone's either going to completely go crazy in there because you did get seven and 18, or you're going to be going completely crazy because you got one and five. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to be going on on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I'm not super spiritual, but I do believe in basketball karma. So I've been keeping my uh, rocket slander to a minimum ever since the season ended because I don't know, man, Rockets have been getting a lot of crap lately. And I just have like this sick feeling deep inside me that they're going to be rewarded because just how much of a shit show they've been this year. So <laughs> yeah, they kind of have. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't happen. Basically, Clemente, we're both converting to Buddhism, basically. So, you know, we believe in, we're going to be meditating the entire day Monday. So that when we drive up there Tuesday, we'll be prepared with our mindset. <laughs> and was there any more questions from your from your from your part, Hunter? Uh, no, I think that's some our account. Uh, you can go ahead and check from yours. All right, I got a couple of them which where we already kind of answered, but I'm just gonna go ahead and ask them just to you know give them a shout out. So Sophie, uh, whose ad is at r3d underscore. VIB, 3Z, also known as Red Vibes, ask. If the pick falls to seven or eight, who do you want to see us get? And I think we already kind of answered that. We all we mentioned Bug Knight, Keon Johnson, Jonathan Kaminga, guys like around that range, right? Unless you guys want to add somebody else. Yeah, I think well, those are my main ones, at least. Yeah, I'd have to go with that as well. I'm also, hey, everybody, I got to say, keep an eye out for Moses Moody. I'm really big on him. He's been falling in draft boards. But I, would, I feel like he's worth a lottery pick 100%. So he's a great 3 and D wing, and he's only 18 years old. So definitely keep an eye out for him. I think he'd be a great pairing. Yeah, Jalen Johnson's another guy I don't think we mentioned so yet who could probably be there if we fall yeah. to 7-8. And just two more. I mean, from Hayden Woodley, big fan of the pod. Shout out to him. His at is a Woodley, W-H-E-A-T-L-E-Y, Hayden. H-A-Y-D-E-N. He asked, um, is there a sleeper in this year's draft OKC should target such as Teo this past year? Hunter, you're a draft expert. What do you think? I feel like you already answered that, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I don't think I have. Well, we talked to Isaiah Jackson, who's been with Ruble, where 16 and 18. But I feel like a true sleeper in this draft is Chris Duarte. I'm pretty big on him. He models his game after Clay Thompson. And you can tell because – He's, he's also – he's a playmaker, 100%. He was for Oregon. But the way he relocates – I mean, he, we talk about Kemba, uh, me and you, Clemente, how uh, we talk about his off-ball offense is just, you know, basically non-existent sometimes. Chris Duarte, that's his main focus is playing off-ball offense. He really he re relocates along the perimeter. He shot 42.4% from three. And I love seeing that because he's a pure shooter, basically, going into this draft. And uh, he throws dimes, too. I mean, he was the primary playmaker for Oregon most of the year. So – he can shot create, he can shoot, he can play off-ball offense. I feel like he'd be a perfect guy to have on your team regardless. I mean, he's definitely the guy you want to target. And I think people will be sleeping on him coming into this draft, and he's already scheduled uh, interviews. And I think a lot of people speculate that I could possibly be with Oklahoma City. So I definitely think that's a guy you want to target. And another guy I really liked was Dayron Sharp from North Carolina. I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick. I think he'll, be, he'll fall probably around where OKC is picking at 35 and 36. So you definitely want to look out for a guy like De'Aaron Sharp because if, you know, at the end of the day, you got to get a center uh, because we have zero centers right now unless we get Mike Muscala back. But I feel like he's a, he's a pretty good option. Uh, he doesn't really have a mid-range shot right now or an outside shot, but he definitely finishes really well around the rim. I think he's an underrated playmaker as well. And I think uh, we uh, the coaches, you know, we can definitely – Mark Dagnall especially, he's handoff uh, and uh, the, the plays where he does what handoff to a bunch of cutting guards, and Daron Sharp can easily uh, meld his game into becoming a better playmaker with the Thunder. He moves well laterally as well. He moves like a guard, and he's like six foot ten. So I feel like he's a poor man's bam out of bio. So I definitely would like to see him get drafted by a Thunder. I feel like he'd be a, a sleeper pick as a big man in this year's draft. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I said, I think Isaiah Todd's kind of the second round gym, at least in my opinion. There's a couple others floating up floating around there like Trey Murphy from Virginia pretty good sharpshooter I think he's like 6'8 6'9 so the defensive upsides there you know you want to have got like a wing out there you can shoot the ball I think Trey Murphy could be that for you but yeah I mean if there's one guy that I'm putting all my marbles in right now it, it'd probably be Isaiah Todd 
I like that but, Trey Murphy pick. I feel like he's an underrated three and D kind of guy coming into this draft. He can play wing and he can play combo guard as well. So I'm, he, I think he shot like about about forty percent from three as well. And uh, he played. Did he play for Virginia? I think I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, yeah. I just pulled it up. Yeah, he shot forty three percent this year from three, and then ninety three from the free throw line. Dang, yeah, he can shoot. You definitely want a pure shooter like that in your team. So I definitely would take a risk on him. All right, cool. And last question. Um, this is from Jose Chavez, who's at his uh, JC underscore Chavez M, who is also my cousin from Houston. And I promise this isn't a case of nepotism, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> We're not thinking this. <laughs> but he asked, how much air are you guys punching seeing the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals? I'm punching all the air right here. I'm super kicking the air right now. I'm giving it a suplex. I'm going Brock Lesnar on it. I'm going HBK on it. I'm about to go Stone Cold Steve Austin on it pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm really upset that they're there, obviously. I mean, the comeback they had was great, but it would have been nice to see them just gone after Dallas. I don't even know how they got this far, but um, plan is it's not going to go any further. Hopefully the Suns can get it done. I don't think it's been. We, we're, we were saying the same things <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, not just kidding. But, I mean – I'm not really pushing here. I'm just, you know, accepting reality because what can you do? I mean, when Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann and Nicholas Batum were shooting like basically 100% from free, there's really not much you can do, man. I mean, they're just shooting the ball, the lights out. And I feel like they're due for some mean regression. So hopefully it happens during this series and not in the finals. <laughs> but I think that's about it, right? When it comes to the questions, that's all I had. That's all I got too. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I think we got it all done. So I really appreciate you two coming on. Uh, like I said, make sure to check them out on Bricktown Breakdown. Hopefully I got that right. But um, yeah, just make sure to check them out. Really great podcast. Like I said, listen to it. It's amazing. So yeah, make sure to check them out. Um, as always, guys, thank you all for listening to the podcast. And I will talk to you all next time. See you.